Welcome back to the Vleet Street Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Van Vleet, and today's episode is brought to you by Curator 48. For your signage, printing, and event needs, go check out curator48.com.au. Next up, Quad Squad, the legend, Adam Semenzma. He knows everything you need to know about race engines in quads, motocross bikes, and side-by-sides. And he's an absolute suspension guru as well. So if you need any of that stuff, go talk to Adam at the Quad Squad um, and he'll be able to help you out. Next up, Australia's only ATV freestyle motocross team, all for FMX, at all for FMX on the social medias. Then we've got Native Concepts. You need something designed um, or some motocross graphics, uh, go check out Native Concepts. And then Stitchcraft Racing, race-proven quality nerf bar and heel guard nets um today's podcast is a great one we had the legend alex welsh on the podcast i grew up racing with him um and about 11 years ago he had a crash on a two-wheeler um that left him in a wheelchair and it hasn't stopped him from living his best life he's one of the most positive dudes i know and he is an absolute legend um so stay tuned this is his story how he dealt with being in a wheelchair and what he's done moving forward and he's one of the best hand cyclers in australia so um that being said here is today's podcast but before we start go give um at vleet street underscore podcast uh, a like and follow on social media and give us a like and review on your favorite podcast app um it helps people find us a lot easier and we really appreciate it so that being said here is today's podcast on the Blue Street Podcast. Motherfuckers round here, they got a problem. Always coming to me like I can solve them. Why feel like, why feel like, why feel like breaking their necks in two? Motherfuckers take the box of the street, but they all yellow. Big up, make the bitches look bleak. Why feel like that? Yeah, so let's get into it. So on the Vleet Street podcast, we've got Alex Welsh. Um, he's an old friend of mine. We used to race motocross against each other. Welcome to the podcast, Welshie. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, hey, everyone listening. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Yes, yeah, sweet. So the people who don't know, you are um, you're paralyzed. You're in a wheelchair. Yep. Um, and that came from a motocross accident. Before we get into that, we'll, we will start with what, like, how did you get into motocross and how long you're racing for and all that stuff. Yeah, sounds good. So, yeah, when when did you get a bike? When did you get your first bike? And how did you get into racing? So, yeah, starting from the beginning, um, I'm from South Gippsland, for those that are familiar with the Victorian region and the and the Gippsland Centre um, series. So, yeah, I grew up um, in a place called Leongatha and uh, initially on a 365-acre dairy farm and I uh, got my first bike, a Suzuki JR50, when I was five years old. Um, and then, yeah, probably like yourself, Mitch, and yeah, a lot of people listening, it just sort of progressed from there. I um, I think I did my first race when I was five um, at the Outram Motocross Club. Yeah. Oh, sorry, 
at your motocross track, uh, Carmen Borough Club. Um, so yeah, started off there, and um, I don't I don't know if I liked racing at first. I think I just liked riding on the farm, and then um, and then yeah, it was a couple of years later um, when I got at Kawasaki KX65. I think when I was nine nine years old, and sort of started racing the the Gippsland Center Series from then on. Yeah, wicked, wicked. So, um, you were, like I always knew you raced the Gippies and stuff like that. Did you also like did you do Vic titles, Aussie titles, or anything like that as well? Um, yeah. So for the first couple of years when I started on the sixty five, I just did the Gippsland Center um, series, and then um, and then yeah, sort of progressed to. Um, yeah, doing big titles and um, two-day opens, uh, and then yeah, I'd race the Australian titles as well in 2003 um, in Old, Old Nolunga, I think in South Australia. So yeah, that was my first Aussies, um, and I think I won a Victorian title in the 65 in 2003 as well. Um, just I think it was in C grade, and yeah, just sort of progressed from there, which is. Yeah, it's a, as you know, it's an awesome way to grow up and um, yeah, you meet lots of great people in the way and, and yeah, I've got a really good relationship with my with my parents and that through it as well, which is which is good. Yeah, it's, it's a real family-oriented sport and it's fucking fun hanging out with all your mates. Yeah. You get to see, like people, like normally growing up, you just have your friends from school, maybe a few other friends as well, but like I feel like the motocross community was a pretty tight one and... You had friends that you got to see on the weekends that you might not go to school with or didn't live close to, and you got to yeah, hang out, got to hang out with them and yeah 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 and yeah when you get to school on the Monday after you go racing it it's really cool like you share your story and it's like oh we drove all the way across to the other side of Victoria and raced wherever we raced and came back and um, yeah it's really cool to yeah share those stories with your mates from school as well and they're just like wow that's cool and yeah so. No, it's really good, and um, so yeah, I guess so. Yeah, starting out, um, yeah, it was really just a, just like yeah, something we did on the weekends, and it probably wasn't so. I started racing um, like eighty fives and one two fives. It sort of things started to get um, a bit more serious for me, and started putting in time during the week and stuff like that. I was actually fortunate to um, one of my mates, um, Timmy Lonsdale. He um, he had a farm that. Um, and he helped me out a lot. Like we sort of started riding during the week and that's sort of when I started, uh, started getting a lot better and sort of progressed through the ranks in the, in the junior stuff. I think that was in 2006. Um, and then, yeah, I won like the A grade, uh, 85 series in the Gippie Center and raced big titles. I think I might've been around sort of top five in that. Um, and as you know, in that time, like it's, it was, was really competitive and there was, I'm not too sure of the numbers now, but yeah, I remember racing and we had, there was like different divisions in, in categories as well. I remember it like Divi 1 and Divi 2. So yeah, I'm not sure the numbers are still as strong now, but yeah, just even yeah, like a Gippsland region and, and state region was like, yeah, there was big numbers, which was really good. Yeah. Unfortunately, they're not as big as they were back then. Uh, the GFC yeah. had a big hit on that. Um, but yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I, I think uh, I think when we, we raced 65s, I think there was two divisions of C grade, wasn't there? Yeah, well, there was. I reckon there was three heats. At yeah, one, right. <laughs> at one stage there was three heats. I remember that. Yeah, it was chaotic. So not, yeah, definitely. Like it's a lot different, um, different then. So, um, but yeah, like I sort of yeah started getting really serious, and um, my last year of juniors was in 2007, um, and raced. What did I race? 
I raced 250Fs that year. Um, and, yeah, we raced Aussie titles again. I think I might have finished, like, 11th or something in the Australian titles. And that was that um, That was that was year where there was that Ty Simmons and Jared McNeil battle. Oh, um, yeah. Up, so, it was at Coolum, wasn't it? Yeah, Coolum. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember that. And, yeah, it was, it was pretty full on. Like, I was just, yeah, stoked to be part of it. And, um, and yeah, like, I was, I was working out during the week, but, um, to, to get better at riding. And then I was also, also at school and, um, sort of looking at things, um, yeah, post-school as well to probably look at becoming a builder. Um, and then, yeah, just, just balanced a bit. Yeah. I really enjoyed all the off the bike training, um, as well. And that's sort of, yeah, leading into things. It's sort of what I do now. And that's part of the reason that I got involved, um, yeah, in cycling, which is what I do now. And just because I enjoyed the off the bike training stuff. Um, no, awesome. As well. So, yeah, 2007 was my last year of juniors. Um, yeah, I did, did all right there. Um, and then, yeah, my first year of seniors was in 2008. And it was actually, it was a really good year because um, when you go from, from A-grade juniors, you have to drop down to A-grade seniors. And I think, I think I got graded back to A-grade in the first couple of races, but it actually allowed me, because I started this, the Gippsland Centre, series in b grade yeah um i could actually race right through and um it's one of those things where it was it was probably not the hardest racing for me but it was just really enjoyable like um yeah i got a chance to to race at the front most of the races and all that so it was actually one of my uh like fondest memories was just doing that doing that series in b grade i think i raced the the victorian titles in a grade in seniors um but yeah that that was really cool um and yeah, something that, yeah, I cherish and look back on. Um, yeah, not being a motorbike rider now, it's just like, yeah, it was such a fun, such a fun year. And that was the year before I got hurt. So, yeah, just, just driving around, it's good. Yeah, I reckon I, I was the same. My first year, obviously, I, had to, I dropped back to B grade as well. Yeah. Um, and it was just a funny year. Like, the, the fun kind of got taken out of taken out of it when I went to A grade. It was just a bit, a bit too serious when I was fo- mainly focusing on the quad. So, when I was riding two-wheelers, yeah. When I went up to A grade, it kind of just took the fun out of it and pretty much made me focus on quads only after that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, it was it was definitely a lot of fun. And, and I think that's, um, yeah, to anyone listening that's that's racing, you got to do it because you love it. And, um, and, yeah, like just doing a good series and when you're in a, in a class that you're able to run up front, that, that also makes it a lot more yeah. fun as well. <laughs> yeah. It's always more fun when you're winning. Yeah. Um, so that leads us pretty much into your accident. Um, you had a, you had a bad accident. You you broke your back. Um, yeah. So um, so yeah, January two thousand nine. Um, basically, yeah, if you cast your minds back to like that Black Saturday summer, um, yeah, I was planning to get um, to get more serious from, with my racing. I sort of had that fun that fun year, um, in 2008. And then, yeah, I got hurt in January, 2009. So, um, it was at Blue Rock and, um, yeah, it was just a, just a practice day. Um, yeah, in a January. So I think it was January 19th. So it was, it was before like the season started. Um, I just got a new bike, uh, at the end of, end of 2008. And yeah, we're sort of, sort of ramping up to, to do more and potentially more at like the national level. So, um, I was taking things really serious and, um, yeah, doing a lot of off the bike training and stuff um, as well, and 
yeah, it was one of those days I was riding really well and things are going great until it, yeah, wasn't going so great. And yeah, just went over the bars and head butted the ground and yeah, pretty much folded my body in half. And yeah, I remember waking up, um, just waking up in a prickle bush. Um, my dad was there and um, my mate Timmy Lonsdale that I spoke about earlier, he had a, actually had a broken leg at the time, so he wasn't riding. Um, yeah, and I was just yeah laying there in the prickle bush and I'd never really had any serious injuries before this and um, I remember just thinking to myself I couldn't sit up and I was just like oh like this must be what happens when you like break your ribs or something I had no idea what the significance of it was yeah true um, so you like you were just laying there and just oh I'm injured you weren't yeah yeah like I hadn't broken a bone before um, so yeah I just like oh maybe like this is what happens when you're in heaps of pain and you just like can't sit up and I just yeah didn't even think that yeah like I couldn't move my legs and yeah I was paralyzed from the from the chest down so that's about all I remember obviously there was a lot of a lot of things that went on after that that yeah I guess all the surgeries and whatever else that sort of allowed me to forget um a lot of what actually happened but yeah it yeah. was one of those things where it's not just is what it is it's probably a worst memory for for my dad and the people that are around there because they were sort of seeing it all unfold but yeah for me yeah. i just remember i couldn't sit up yeah true so did your dad or um timmy lonsdale know how bad it was i think so like dad was dad was stressing and he just like just move your leg just move your leg and with the way that spinal cord injuries are i actually could move my leg yeah um but it was one of those things where where the bones in my back had broken but uh, it's actually the swelling that does the damage to the spinal cord. So that swelling hadn't set in yet, which is that swelling and then the scar tissue is what causes the paralysis. So there's still those messages going through where I think I could like lift my leg once, but um, and that sort of relieved him a little bit, but yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, crazy. So you obviously, did you get airlifted or in an ambulance? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know the details exactly, but I think, with it being pretty close to Trialgan, uh, it might have been like an ambulance to Trialgan and then um, like a chopper to uh, the Austin Hospital. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I spent six weeks in the Austin. Um, yeah, initially got my back bolted back together just to stabilize things. And um, so, yeah, I've still got rods in my back from T3 to T9 vertebrae. So it's pretty much, yeah, yeah the whole... middle part of your back. Yeah, that's a fair. Um, so T3 to T9, did you say? Yeah, 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 and that, and um, compared to the old days, like if you broke your back um, years ago, you'd have to lay in lay in traction for like three months, and the back your back would just heal naturally. Whereas whereas nowadays, um, I think your brother might even be the same, yeah, um, where he where they just bolt you back together, and you pretty much as much as you can get going, you can sort of get going with rehab and stuff almost right away. Yeah, I think Harry's. He shattered his T six or seven, so he's got the yeah. b the bolt from um, just above it to just below it. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, he he was he was very fortunate and lucky that the the swelling or the scar tissue um, just didn't happen, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things with spinal cord injuries. Like, yeah, we all know about them, and when you ride bikes and. Yeah, we obviously know people that have them, but yeah, it's not it's not something I'd ever really thought about. Um, 
that much besides um besides Bronte Holland that rode like on this he rode like from the same dealership as me that my dad works at, um, Marriott's motorcycles. So yeah. when he when he got hurt, um, yeah, that was about all I the only experience that I had with um with spinal cord injury and I remember seeing him one day at the Frankston track and he had like leg spasm, which is like involuntary and his legs would like jump like jump up and down as he was sitting there in the chair. And then I remember after I'd done we'd been done riding, I remember going home to my dad and saying, Oh, like Bronte's doing so good, he's like moving his legs. But yeah, having no idea that like the the spasm is like involuntary. So yeah, that was about the only experience that I had with spinal cord injury beforehand. Um and then it was just yeah, from the time that I spent in the Austin, which was which was six weeks, it was just I was pretty much all years and just just learning things and taking it all in and just figuring out the situation. Um, well, when I say learning things, it means trying things and failing and then figuring it out. Yeah. That's pretty much how, that's pretty much how, how I learned. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so no, it was just, just about trying things and just figuring out my body and learning how to do things and just, yeah, going through the, through the process. So I spent yeah six weeks in the Austin and then I was um three months of rehab and, yeah, I was 17 at the time and it's pretty much just like pressing reset and um, learning things all over again, um, which is which is pretty crazy because, yeah, just just before that, you're sort of thinking about things moving forward that would be either either racing or, or working in racing as well. So it's pretty much pretty much everything changed. And and at that that age, it was just, yeah, it was hitting reset. And um, from there, it's pretty much the the way I saw it, the only things that I couldn't do anymore, I couldn't ride my motorbike and I couldn't walk anymore. Um, in a way, I sort of, yeah, took it as positive as I could um, in the sense that I didn't have a career. Um, I didn't have didn't have a family of my own. So, yeah, I was pretty much just able to build up from there and, and I'm sort of being able to build my life around having the spinal cord injury and dealing with the difficulties that I've got and... Um, and yeah, just going from there. So yeah, in a way, I sort of look at it as in a positive way that I got hurt when I was younger, um, as opposed to older. But yeah, obviously, there's no good time to have it ha- happen. Yeah, no, that's it. So you're in hospital um, with like I know you personally now, and we've spoken about it before about like a like a cure, you could yeah. say. Um, like when you first done it, we is that what you were, were you thinking about a cure? Did you? Were you dealing with depression when things wouldn't work or anything like that? Um, yeah, like you sort of research cures and and sort of try and get try and get your head around like sort of what's possible. But um, I did have faith in the Australian hospital system, and I sort of was in a position where I knew if there was some sort of treatment um, that it would be available in Australia, and I would have access to it. Um, I do know people that have spinal cord injuries and they um, go out of their way to to try to do these like stem cell treatment or treatment that's done in done in India or done overseas. Um, but yeah, I'd never for one didn't have like the financial resources to go and explore those options. Um, yeah, so it wasn't anything that I that I looked at really for myself personally and to be honest one thing that put it in perspective for me pretty quickly was when 
I was in hospital and there was a guy um, in a bed across from me um, and he was a quadriplegic. Um, he could barely shrug his shoulders, um, couldn't lift his arms at all and couldn't breathe on his own. Um, so that's, I mean, as harsh it is, as it is, I sort of compared myself to him in a way and it's just like, look, I can still move my arms and I can still still get myself out of bed and push myself around in a chair. Um, and, yeah, I was sort of able to move on from from that and just figure out what I could do rather than focusing on what I can't because I sort of – I did more research on what, um, what like, other motocross riders um, had done after they'd been injured and um, some of those guys were like David Bailey, which I've been fortunate to – to have met and hang out with, and he'd done the Hawaiian Ironman. So I'm like, how do I figure out how to do that? So I was more trying to figure out how to get home and then how to get on with my life, really, as opposed to trying to fix what was broken. Yeah, well, that's it. Like, I've always admired admired you for that as well. Um, whenever we've chatted in private or anything like that, it's just you, you're just all about moving forward and you're, you're yeah. a pre- pretty positive guy. Um, especially considering what you've been through, it's just, you just make yeah, it the best know. of I'd what never, it is. Yeah, I never really thought too much about it. I mean, yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, like everyone has problems, as, <laughs> as we know. Like, I mean, someone might break up in their marriage and they jump off the Westgate bridge, bridge kind of thing. So, I mean, everyone has issues and I think, think my issues are the... The only issues I have are the ones that you can see and that's generally <laughs> if you're hanging out with your mates and you come to a flight of stairs and you can't get up them or or it's just like or you can't get can't get across somewhere or, or something like that. So no, I think think they're about my biggest issues um, that I face. Um, they're pretty much all all visible and um, and then yeah, you just try and figure out ways around them. Yeah. No, nah, fair enough. Well, you've never struggled getting downstairs. I've seen that firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> Been in a few pubs uh, and whatnot, and you're like, yeah, no, don't worry about it, guys. I got this. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess, like, in that environment, um, a little bit of alcohol helps at times, just uh, just a bit of courage. And, yeah, I think um, there's been a few stories where i um, giving my mates, mates a few laughs. It doesn't always, doesn't always end well. Sometimes it ends up going splat, but, I mean, it's just one of those things where – where sometimes the handrail's a little bit slippery and maybe you lose your grip and um, all of a sudden things start to get away from you pretty quickly. But um, nah, I'm not too bad at getting around in the chair. Um, yeah, trying. Yeah, I've got great mates that are able to <laughs> help help me out. And um, and yeah, for, for the most part, I'm pretty good. And I'm not too bad about asking for help. Um, most of the time I try and do things on my own. Um, but yeah, sort of. as I've got older, I've sort of worked out better ways to ask for help if needed but um yeah otherwise i just just figure it out just yeah i can even go down escalators that's always an interesting one yeah no i've i've seen i remember watching you do that the first time i think we're at fountain gate or something with with jake williams or something like that and yeah i was was impressed i was like you just wheeled up to it and i was like oh shit like this this is not going to go well but yeah you nailed it yeah it doesn't look good because you actually got to do it backwards to go down yeah and um Oh, yeah, I don't know. I couldn't even think if something went wrong there. Sometimes <laughs> the belt's a little bit slippery at the side and you sort of shit yourself a little bit. Yeah. But, um, but not like, I don't know, I just sort of, yeah, actually, like, when I went through rehab and stuff, there was actually this amazing guy that, um, well, I've met lots of amazing people throughout, yeah, both racing and living life in a, in a chair as well. But yeah, this, this one guy that works there, 
he does like the wheelchair skills and he's been in a chair since he was a kid and he is an absolute freak. Um, one of the first um, things that I did after after rehab, I went snow skiing. So it's like this, it's just like a regular ski, but there's like a bucket chair that sort of goes on the top of the, top of the ski and you've got like little crutches out to the side yeah. where you can get, where you can go down, go down the slopes. And um, yeah, this, this guy Campbell, I went, went away with him on this camp and he could just like do anything. Like he was an absolute, he would go downstairs like forward and just like bounce down and, and he could like get himself up into like a sprinter, like a Mercedes Sprinter van and like from his chair. And I'm just like, Holy, that's so good. So yeah, I was inspired by him as well. Like there's been lots of people that have been pretty inspired by the whole whole way through and just yeah, it's amazing what you can do when you <laughs> when you don't have a choice. No, that's it. Fair enough, fair enough. So you've did you look into like how you could adapt like a motorbike for yourself or anything like that? Because I know we're at um the <laughs> the Williams's farm. Yeah. And I've seen you being strapped onto a four fifty with duct tape yeah. and tie downs and all that stuff. And we also put like you had to go on my quad as well. Um Yeah. We use tie downs and all that stuff. And you've also had a had a crack at go karts as well, I remember. Yeah, um, yeah. So that that was just a natural progression, like from from motocross. Um yeah, everyone's like, Oh, well, you better get a go kart now. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I got a go kart and did some right i got like a license and stuff and just like did some club racing and stuff like that and jake did that as well which was that was heaps of fun um so that was cool i just had a cart set up with like hand controls yeah um and then yeah for the bike um yeah i got like on a four-wheeler pretty early on um yeah i could just like i don't know just like putt around i was i was yeah as much as i was like figuring stuff out i was also really aware that um i didn't want to injure myself anymore either um so so yeah i so i was always cautious with the things that i tried so first off on a two-wheeler i tried like a little crf i don't know what are they 110s or whatever they are yeah the one yeah Yeah, so i tried one of them jake like threw me on that like strapped me on it was actually it was actually harder to ride than like when i rode like a big bike a big bike was heaps easier um, but yeah, the, the little, little bike was hard. So I remember, um, yeah, the Williams is, um, I think Kevy was in his office and I would, I was just like cruising around the garden and he was like, he like looked twice and just like, <laughs> he like couldn't figure out like, he's like, what the hell is that Welshie? And then like, um, I think like Aiden and Jake were like chasing after me or something. So that was, that was cool. Um, but it's one of those things when you got momentum, yeah, keeping your balance isn't too bad. It's just. Try, try not to let your foot drop down and run over it or something. But, um, and then, yeah, I rode like my friend's 450 as well, just, yeah, up and down the track. Um, but I don't know. It was like, it was so different. And, um, and I just couldn't ride like to my full potential, um, which was, it wasn't frustrating, but it was just like, it was just like one of those things where I had to do, but it was just time to move on and find something something else that I could do that for one I was competitive at because I'd never be competitive in quad racing or on a motocross bike anymore. So that didn't really interest me. Um, but it was, it was cool and it was fun to do. And I remember riding a quad that was cool too. <laughs> so fast. Yeah. So that, that's sort of what led me to, to, yeah, the sport, I, sport I do now. 
Yeah, so look, let's get into that. You're, um, well, I guess you'd call it professional hand cycling. Yeah. Is that yep. the technical, um, technical term, hand cycling? Yeah, yep, hand cycling. Yeah. Um, yeah, it falls under the umbrella of paracycling. So yeah. um, there's, there's, everyone's broken up into categories within their, within whatever disability they have and, and there's, there's five categories that ride like a regular bike. Um, as an example, let's say you're a blown knee amputee, you'll just ride a regular bike and then you'll have a prosthetic that locks into your pedals and you ride a bike. And then there's there's a B categories where you ride a tandem. Um, so people that are blind with an able-bodied person at the front. Um, there's trikes, which are upright bikes as well with two wheels at the back, one wheel at the front, um, pedal with your legs and then there's hand cycles, um, and there's five categories of that as well. So it's, in terms of spinal cord injury, so wherever you break your back, you're pretty much paralyzed from. So, um, yeah, in the five categories of hand cycling, I'm in the middle, so I broke my back in the middle. Um, so, yeah, it was it was great. So, well, it is great. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where it allows me to be competitive on an equal playing field, Um with other people and um, as I've met, as I've gone along, I've travelled all, all over the world doing it and continue to do it now. Um, yeah, you meet a lot of people in similar types of situation. situations. A lot of the time they might get injured from a car accident or a motocross accident or might might fall out of bed and break their back um, at whatever age. And then, yeah, that's sort of looking for something to find and do and, yeah, find like a lot of the times through rehab you'll sort of get exposed to hand cyclers because it's so good for fitness yeah. um and then is that, yeah, how, is anyone that how you got into it yeah yeah initially um and then um and then i got a racing wheelchair um but because i lived in Kambara, i couldn't push the racing wheelchair up all the hills so i got a hand cycle with gears um that allowed me to ride and and then yeah got involved from there and so yeah like i was saying it's yeah, you sort of get exposed to it in rehab and I guess anyone with a competitive side of them just is like, I wonder what I can do to go and race these things. So, yeah, there's a lot of people with really similar personalities to me. Um, yeah, with with some have really similar backgrounds as well. I met I met some guys in Austria and one of them used to ride in like the Erzberg Rodeo and, and then like I said, I met David Bailey um, who was a 1989 Supercross champion yeah. I hung out with him a little bit. Um, yeah, there's, there's, as we know, there's an unfortunately pretty long list of people with spinal cord injuries. Um, but yeah, so there's lots of cool people involved in the sport. No, that's that's awesome. So um, yeah, like you're a professional at it now. Like as as you say, you tr- you travel around the world um, yep. doing that stuff. And um... yeah, so I race for the for the Australian paracycling team. So um, yeah, I think I've won nine Australian titles now um, in my category in hand cycling. Um, I've got a few podium finishes overseas um, and I raced at the World Championships last year um, in Emmen in the Netherlands and yeah. I finished 18th there in the time trial. So, And the, uh, also too, the, the distances vary from about 12 kilometres up to 25 and that's an individual individual race against the clock and fastest time wins and then there's a mass start road races as well and they vary from 40k's up to 70k's um and then that's that's where there's like a big pack 
of bikes all together and first across the line wins. Um, and then, yeah, with the hand suckers as well, there's also drafting um, the same way there is in like bunches of, of regular of regular bikes. So all that comes into play. So there's lots of tactics and, and lots of stuff going on there as well. So yeah, I've, I've done pretty well over in Europe. Um, but yeah, the, the world championships, I got a bit sick on the way over and just things didn't go to plan. Um, I was planning on getting somewhere around the top 10 was sort of my goal. Um, but yeah, in my class, it's pretty competitive. There was like 40, 45 riders and yeah, finished 18th. So I've got a little bit of work to do there, which yeah, is well, all good. Yeah, considering you're sick, it's still, you were sick, that's still pretty, pretty good. So, um, yeah. like, I know every time I see you, I always ask, like, the the Olympics um, for this, like, is that something yeah. that, is that a goal of yours to, to make it into the Olympics as such? Yeah, definitely. Um, but um, to go to the Olympics, you'll, you want to come away with the medal. So, um, yeah, yeah, for, for me, <laughs> like, I'd be pretty sad going to the Olympics. And, I mean, it would be an amazing experience, but Australia has an amazing team as well. And that there's so many great athletes around that are going to, going to be successful. You want to be one of those athletes. So, um, yeah, my goal is just to, to do the best that I can um, on the world stage and just keep progressing. Um and then once I'm an absolute hitter and um, can be in a position where I'm confident that I'd medal, um, and then then I'd sort of get the opportunity. And the way the, the way selection works, it's fairly political um, as well. So they they really want to take people that that are in with a really good shot of a, a medal because that's where government funding and stuff comes from to help sustain the program. Um, so yeah, it's just um yeah one of those things where you just got to be really good and and yeah I'm coming into a window now um so I'm eleven eleven years post injury um and I'm twenty twenty eight years old so a lot of the guys don't get successful until they're like late thirties even early forties in hand cycling not sure why that is whether it's because they a lot of them got injured when they were 17 or 18 and it just takes time to build up that strength endurance in your arms yeah i'm not sure yeah, but true. um but yeah but yeah so it's one of those things it's like so you still got plenty like of old, time old wine. Yeah, yeah yeah no that's cool yeah because yeah if you were, yeah, if you were still racing motocross you'd be at the end now yeah i know it's it's crazy and yeah i'm still and yeah i'm still a massive fan fan of motocross as well but yeah i think I don't know the way it's going. Some guys are racing longer, but um, but yeah, it's it's actually really cool. And like physiologically wise, like um, in terms of the way like your body progresses and stuff, like a lot of the times you don't get good until you until like your early to mid thirties anyway. Like in terms of like your your engine, in terms of like strength endurance and stuff. So yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, sweet. So hopefully. We um, see you in the Olympics before not too long then. Within the next few yeah, Olympics, I mean, we might Paris, see Alex Walsh in there. Paris, yeah, Paris is a goal. Um, yeah. So that's in 2024. It's just crazy with, with what's going on at the moment. So I wasn't on the long list for Tokyo. I would have had to do a bit better at the World Champs Yeah. last year to sort of be in, in contention for that. Um, so, yeah, we'll just, just see how things go and see how things progress. And um, either way, like I... 
just I'm going going to go to Europe as much as I can and just get more experience over there. It's I think I've said said this to you before. It's sort of sort of like quads in a way. It's like there's not as much going on in Australia, but then once you go to once you go to Europe, it's just like it's huge. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, pretty much the same as quads. There's a lot of there's it the is it the racing I think that's why Cooper's Cooper's planning on moving over there um next year. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's cuz he's sick of racing against the same five people here. So he may, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it, yeah, I mean that's it's just like a population thing. Yeah, well that's um, it. They've got countries that are the size of our states, or smaller than our states with the same population yeah. as of all of Australia in one little area. So yeah. So so yeah, and yeah, over there it's like like guys are really really serious that I race with, and um, and yeah, they're they're all going really well. So and they take it take it really serious as well. So, um, yeah, I do do yeah as much as I can here in Australia, and then just try and get that yeah good racing experience over there because, I mean, you can be you can be as strong as you want, as you know when you leave Australia, but yeah, it's not until you get over there and start racing that yeah things things all come into play, and and you just need that experience more than anything like you can be the strongest guy yeah strongest guy here it's like you go there and you you just know where even if you're doing doing the numbers it's just it's just and even just getting to know getting to know like the other competitors as well where they where they respect you and yeah so i've been been able to go go there the last couple of years and sort of yeah get to know them and ride with them a bit and it's been really good no that's awesome that's awesome so and then the next thing i got here on my list um I don't know if you want to talk about it, but you you were trying to make the Commonwealth Games for Gold Coast. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and but they didn't have like a hand cycling category. They had triathlon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, fuck it, I may as well give that a crack. And then <laughs> and you were training pretty hard, but you had a bit of bad luck with that, with some events getting cancelled and whatnot. And yeah. And they didn't know. Um, <laughs> they probably they probably never seen you swim before, so it's a bit hard to pick someone. Um, yeah, so no, it was a bit of an opportunity there where where there was a yeah, obviously a big event in the Commonwealth Commonwealth Games in Australia. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of an opportunity. For, <laughs> I'd done I'd done some wheelchair racing as well in the past, which the wheelchair, the racing wheelchair is the the run leg in a triathlon. Yeah, and so I'd done a bit of that before. Um, yeah, done really well in hand cycling. So, so I'd sort of spoken to the coaches, and and they knew that like they knew that those two things were were good for me. It was just, um, yeah, for me to potentially make the team, I just had to show you how good I was over a whole triathlon. And swimming is never like I I can swim to survive, but to swim <laughs> fast is. Uh, swimming it's it's crazy because yeah it's like if you don't grow up swimming it's really hard to to get like that movement to be really efficient in the pool um yeah i don't know if you've ever been to the pool and it's like a 12 year old girl can just motor past you and it's all technique yeah and just that, that muscle memory so i mean i could swim and even um yeah after the spinal cord injury i could I got my legs in a position in the pool where where they were efficient and they could float, um, and it was all just down to me and not having any technique. 
So I worked on that and I was lucky to get some support through um, the Australian team for that. And I went to like the Australian Institute of Sport and worked with a coach and yeah, tried to progress as much as I could. And to be honest, I thought that I sort of knew the times that the guys did on the hand cycles in the triathlon. And I actually thought that I could be a really average swimmer and still make the team and make up all the time in the, in the bike and the run. Yeah, yeah, and just blow past them on the on the hand cycle. <laughs> yeah, and I'd actually won like a world championship in duathlon, which is which is the hand cycle and the racing chair. Yeah. So I, I knew I was pretty good in that. Um, and the, so yeah, I left my run at it pretty late, and the first event, and only event that I could do to potentially qualify was in Florida in the United States. Um, so yeah, packed up all my stuff, went to Florida. And it was around the time of that, what was that hurricane that hit Florida? I think there's one that hits every year. It was in 2017. Um, So that had hit like two weeks before and got there and the water was contaminated. So we couldn't swim. So I had to just did a duathlon. I thought that was great because I did well. I finished second. I thought, oh, sweet. That's good. And then I got back and they're like, oh, no, we're going to see you swim. And then... um, and then there was another race in Melbourne, which I did, um, and that swim was cancelled. And then I did, then that was it. I couldn't make the Com Games because I didn't have a swim time. And then I did another race up on the Gold Coast, which was nationals, and I just did it just because I'd done this training and I thought I'd just do it even though I wasn't getting selected. And then that swim was cancelled, um, and I ended up beating a guy that was like a four-time world champion in triathlon, um, he crashed his racing wheelchair in the last corner and I beat him. So, yeah, I became Australian champion in, I think it was an Australian championship in triathlon and retired. <laughs> no, fair, fair enough. And just, just... No, no, it was a cool experience and, I mean, swimming's so good for you. Um, but it just, it's just hard to do it fast. Yeah. <laughs> Such a foreign movement. Yeah, that's it. It's, yeah, it's all different. It's like you said, it's, it's that muscle memory. The technique and muscle memory that's just yeah yeah like it's not a strength thing like i'm a reasonably strong guy and it literally doesn't matter how hard you push on the water it just doesn't mean you go any faster yeah and like i was fit and i was strong but just didn't have like i think i looked okay in the pool but just whatever whatever was happening under the water just wasn't making me move very fast and it had nothing to do with it with the spinal cord injury or anything like that it was literally just I didn't swim, swim swim squad since I was six years old, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. wow. So I do the swim in like, I think it was like 16 minutes and the top guys do it in like 10. Yeah, right. So you got six minutes to make up on your hand cycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is probably pretty difficult, I'm guessing. Yeah, it didn't happen. No. Oh, I did do one. I actually did one triathlon in Tassie and there was like waves and stuff. And uh, I think it, it took me ages to do the swim. It was terrible. I was so over it. It was ridiculous. Nah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hopefully, you stick. Yeah, you stick to the hand cycling, and we see you in um in Paris for the Olympics. Yeah. That'd be that'd be insane. Yeah, I know it would would be so good, and yeah, it'd be. I've been to Paris once before, and yeah, France. I actually been to France twice now, and yeah, yeah France is amazing. So that would be good. I mean, Tokyo is going to be incredible as well. Um, yeah, I. Personally, I haven't been to Tokyo, but um, through my travels, I've met like a lot of Japanese people, and they're amazing. And yeah, from 
everything I hear like that that games is going to going to be yeah next level yeah it just, should be, just should a little be really bit cool. just a little bit delayed yeah yeah but yeah. Um, if it means people can still go to it like yeah it's it's going to be, it's going to be really cool yeah so are you going to go and 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 watch so you know the vibe that's going or nah 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 just uh yeah i mean you don't you only want to go there to race and win a medal yeah really. true i was always um, like that if i went to a race that i wasn't racing at i'll just be angry <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. You don't want to go somewhere and not race. Well, I mean, if people have, but yeah, some people enjoy watching. Like, I could go and watch a motocross race because I love it. But yeah. it's something that I'm I'm right into, like cycling. I wouldn't want to go there and, and not be part of it. No, you know, you know what it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And then um, you you're working for a company called Push Mobility. Yep. Um, they do some pretty cool with some beach accessibility and stuff like that. Um, do you want to, yeah, touch on what your role is there and? Yeah, so um, it's a small small company. Um, it's been around for about eight years, and it was founded by Shane Hyhorek, who's an incomplete quadriplegic. Um, so that means, yeah, he has a spinal cord injury, and four of his limbs are uh, affected. So he can. He can still walk, but mainly uses the chair um, to get around. Yeah. And just, yeah, like through like the whole wheelchair industry, and he got hurt a few years prior to what I did um, and basically founded this company just because of the experience he received when he first got a wheelchair. And so he just thought that that whole experience from having an injury to then getting a chair and getting on with your life could be there's room for improvement. So that's why he started the company. Um, and then, yeah, I started working for him in 2016. So, yeah, going on four years now. Um, and then, yeah, what we do, so, yeah, we do um, pretty much like equipment that him and I would use. So, like, active wheelchair equipment. So it's not like wheelchairs that you'd that you'd buy for grandma if she needs a wheelchair one day. It's It's really chairs that are built for an active life. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, alongside that, we also work with a non-for-profit called Accessible Beaches. Um, and our goal there is to make as many beaches around Australia uh, accessible. Um, and that range, so we do um, this accessible beach matting. It's like this blue mat that gets rolled out on the sand um, and so you can get your wheelchair to the beach. Um, and as, as we all know, um, yeah, beach is a massive part of, Australian life, and um, I'm sure for most people listening, a beach was a big part of their childhood growing up when they weren't at a motocross track. Um, yeah, basically, if yeah, if you're an Australian, yeah, you, so you go to so the yeah, beach. just to, yeah, so and for for people with disabilities, some of them yeah haven't had the chance to ever go to the beach. So yeah, what we do there is yeah the beach matting, and then also beach chairs with like big big wide tires that allow you to get. Um, to get across the sand and then also things like um, disabled parking and accessible change tables and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, so yeah, it's not about just rolling out some, some beach matting and calling a beach accessible. It's about trying to make it accessible for everyone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really cool to be a part of. Um, yeah, we're just getting more and more beaches around Australia and yeah, helping with that, with that pro, with that progress. I think there's about, 
about 40 beaches around Australia now that um that are accessible. Um, but yeah, we there's there's always more to be done. Yeah, Australia like most of the population lives around the coast. Well, that's so, it. Um, yeah, it's yeah. one it's one giant island surrounded by beaches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um and then so for the chairs chair side of things, it's it's great for me to um work with people that have gone through similar things to what I have or, or have a similar disability to what I have and yeah, be able to help them um, just through th- things that I've learned of, of going through the whole process and um, yeah, be able to give back a little bit where I can and offer some insight into into equipment equipment and that sort of thing um, to, to help people and, and yeah, I'm really fortunate for the job and um, yeah, I live up on the Sunshine Coast now. Um, yeah, why why did you ditch... Us Victorians, man. It was a bit bit cold. It's hands oh, no. open all the time. It was. I was actually. Um. I was working for for a week. Uh. Every month up in Brisbane. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, I met my now fiance up here, and um. Yeah, her family and stuff is from here. Um. And yeah, I just like Melbourne. It was. It was always a bit difficult to train um, as well, just with Melbourne being so busy and so much stuff going on. So, um, yeah, her family was from here and we were away in Europe last year and I said, why don't we just move to the Sunshine Coast? And she's like, she's like, yeah, I'd love to, um, yeah, move back with my family anyway. So, um, so yeah, here we are. And, and then Shane, my boss, has been really supportive. Um, I've got an office up here now. Um, so and just run things from here. It's a it's a lot of work online as well. So yeah, I was able to keep keep working through this whole period too, and it allows a lot of lot of flexibility for for training and and then just yeah other things that that may pop up. Yeah, if I get sick or something, it's it's a flexible job that allows me to sort of run my own schedule. And yeah, I wouldn't have have it any other way. I was actually studying to be a primary school teacher um, before I got this job and. Yeah, I'm really fortunate. Yeah, and what I'm doing now, it's good. Yeah, cool. Imagine that. Freaking Welsh here teacher. <laughs> yeah, nah. Nah, this is he's this is he's better. I mean, nah, it's just enough. like I don't, you know, as you go along you just like find something that fits. I'm sure it's probably pretty similar with you that's just like man, this this just works. It's good. Yeah, that's it, that's it. So do you do much like public speaking or anything like that? Because, like, I do, um, I do like you should, man, because, like, you've, you've obviously had this pretty tragic accident happen and you've, you've turned it into something positive. And, yeah. And you're bloody doing a great job at it, especially, like, the hand cycling and stuff like that. You're a positive dude, like, good role model yeah. and stuff like that. Have you have you got into the public speaking or anything? Uh, I've done, like, a little bit, but I don't know. I just... I never really think back, hey, like, even doing the podcast and just thinking, like... Yeah, going through racing and all that. I'm always like, I'm more thinking forwards. Yeah, no, nah, fair enough. Man. <laughs> um, so, so it's something that I, I am interested in. Um, and if, but, but yeah, I mean, in my job now, I'm really fortunate to to give back in in little ways. Um, yeah, you're obviously not speaking to hundreds of people at the same time. It's generally, um, generally one like one on one or uh, or with small families. So. Yeah, if I can just offer little bits of assistance that way, um, yeah, I think yeah, I feel like I'm doing something, something good and and helping people. Um, but yeah, the public speaking side of things makes me a bit nervous as well. I don't know how you go, but um, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> yeah. yeah, so 
No, it's it's all good though, and um, yeah, into and in terms of what's next as well. So yeah, just gonna keep training and um and then yeah, I don't think I'll be traveling anywhere this year, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I'll be looking to get back um overseas next year. Yeah, I actually did a race online. Um, I have like a stationary bike. Oh yeah, I saw um, this. You did it this morning, didn't you? Like. Yeah, at two AM. <laughs> yeah, crazy. So it was um it was a race hosted by the the US Paralympics and yeah. um yeah it's this program on my trainer called Zwift and it's you ride with like other people and there's like virtual racing on there and it's all based off like power that's um comes through um through the trainer like you, it, like your wattage or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then moves like an avatar um in relation to to what you weigh and how much power you put out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've been going for a couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, maybe I could do it. So I set my set my alarm on my watch so I didn't wake up Katie or try not to wake her up. Yeah. Um, and got up at one o'clock. And then, yeah, my race started at um, 2.11 a.m. And so, yeah, I smashed like oh, – Katie said that I couldn't make um, – I couldn't use a coffee machine. So I just had like some, <laughs> some like – Caffeine powder in like um just like in a in a water bottle. Yeah. Shook that up down that. Had about three gels at one thirty, and then um yeah just had a pretty decent hit out on there. Just flat out for half an hour, and um yeah so I won that in my class. That was cool. Yeah, that is. <laughs> and then uh and then went back to bed. <laughs> but yeah, at least... least I woke up this morning. I I like felt hungover. Yeah. No shit. Yeah, you pump all this energy into you. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. Caffeine Because I was talking stuff. to people beforehand. They're like, oh, just like drink a whole heap of Red Bulls and stay up all night. I'm just like, no way. I need my sleep. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, looking like I just, yeah, love racing and um, yeah, fortunate to, to still be able to do it and find a sport that, that yeah, scratches that itch, which is which is really cool. Um, yeah, I think I'd go crazy if I didn't find find a passion after motocross. Um so yeah, just just one of those things where I sort of yeah, was able to find that yeah, find that pretty much exact same passion actually. Like I I love it just as much as I love riding my motorbike, which I never thought that I'd even entertain anything else when I when I grew up racing, but yeah, it's cool that I get to do get to do cycling. It's good. Yeah, no, it's it's funny that you say that cuz I like after your accident happened, I was like I couldn't, I don't know how I'd give up motocross. And obviously, before your accident um, happened as well, you were in that same boat. Um, but obviously, your life changed dramatically and you still found yeah. that passion in something else. That's that's cool. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I was all in for motocross. Like, um, yeah, my goal was to, to, yeah, race professionally at the the highest level. And, and yeah, I was actually thinking about this before, before the we did this podcast and yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think, yeah, I love the sport just as much now, but like I'm a massive, massive fan of the sport. And I know some people go away from the sport a little bit. Um, if, if they're like left sour or twisted because of something that happens within the sport. Yeah. But, but for me, it was, it was only the accident that really, that really changed things. So, um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting that, yeah, I'm still, still a massive fan of it, but, I, but I knew I had that void that, needed to be filled and I had to fill it with something something that was positive because I mean that void can be filled with things that aren't positive 
Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was aware of that as well because, um, yeah, we know how things can go if you because I know some people that, that leave the sport that can go go the opposite way even if they don't have a serious injury. Yeah, well, that's that's it. We actually we had because of, because of that adrenaline thing, you can you can search for that in the wrong places. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is important to find yeah find something yeah find something positive that's positive. I know a lot of my mates have like yeah gone like snowboarding and done heaps of different things, which is which is really cool. No, definitely, definitely. Well, that's that's basically been an hour, Welshie. Um, yeah, right. That was a there good fun go. chat. Thanks for coming on the Vleet Street Podcast. We really appreciate it, mate. No, um, no worries. Anytime. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to get you back on. We'll do one in person, um, whether you're yeah, down here cool. or I'm up there, and we'll sit yeah. you down. We might even get Jake Williams in there too. <laughs> tell a few stories <laughs> from back fun, in the fun. day. I'm actually, yeah, that'd be really good. He's a good storyteller. He's yeah. a lot better than what I am. Yeah, he's 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 a funny kid. Um, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, but why, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you on social media and whatnot, so they can follow you and hopefully cheer for you in Paris. Yeah, so um, Alex Welsh ninety one on Instagram and Facebook, um, and yeah, feel free to to reach out and get in touch or just follow my journey. I'll um, try and keep things keep things moving. I've been a bit quiet on the socials lately. It's just yeah, it's just been. I think everyone has been with this corona stuff. The same. <laughs> yeah, I know. I actually feel bad. I'm like, oh, I should should keep things going, but it's just been. I've grown a mustache. That's been fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, isolation things, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, it's um yeah, looking forward to getting back into it, and yeah, I'll have some really good adventures coming up, and yeah, not planning on stopping anytime soon. Nah, fantastic. Well, yeah. Once again, thanks heaps for coming on, Welshie. No worries. Really appreciate it, mate. And um, yeah, we'll catch up soon. All right. Sounds good. See See you, mate. See ya. And there we have it. What an awesome chat there from Alex Welsh. Um, I was lucky enough. I I grew up racing against him. And yeah, he's one of those dudes. He's super positive, as you can tell from the podcast there. And yeah, I think his trick is just he's always looking forward. Like, what's next? And And he's just attacking that and... Yeah, he's just a great human being. So, yeah, go follow him on the socials and whatnot. And while you're on the social media as well, make sure you give at all... Um, oh, I was going to say all four for next one of the sponsors. At the Vleet Street underscore podcast. Give that a like and follow. Um, keep up to date with all the episodes. And, yeah, till next time, thanks for tuning in. Cheers. <laughs>